if um, you look at the sermon notes in front of you, there's a scale on there, 1 to 10. On purpose, I didn't put what the scale was about. But now you see it on the screen. How important are you? Now, you're not going to show this to anybody. And you don't even have to physically write something on that sheet with your pencil. But I would like to ask you to think about that for a minute. What would you circle? For you detail-oriented people, one is not important at all and ten is very important. So you know which way to mark the scale. What would you circle? How important are you? Now to help you relax a little bit, I'm not as interested in the number you circle as I am why. In other words, what did you look at to give yourself that score? What did you think about? What was it that you looked at in your life or what you do or what you have done or anything about you? What was it that you looked to to get that answer? whether it was a 10 or a 1 or a 5 or whatever it was in between. How do you decide how important you are? It seems like that is a growing question in our day with worse and worse answers. We are the most developed culture, society, world that has ever been on this planet. We know more, we have more, we can do more. And yet I think our scores are getting lower and lower. We are less certain of ourselves. We feel less worth. Suicide is an epidemic, especially among young adults. What does that tell us? Our culture is not building us up, it's saying we're worth less. We throw money at it, but that doesn't fix it. We learn more over the internet, but that hasn't helped. We accomplish more and more and feel less and less worthy. What if the Bible had an answer? We're going to look today about what the Bible says about you and how important you are. But before we go there, I want to ask you a question, another question. Do you really believe the Bible? Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a little confident if you're sitting here today that hopefully you at least lean towards it's probably true. And, and a lot of us would say it's true. And I want you to believe that because what we're going to read out of God's Word, it's true. And I realize some of you who are sitting there and might have given yourself a score of one, two, or three would say, well, that's not true about me. But the Bible doesn't lie. And what we're going to read is true. We're going to look at two verses today. One New Testament, one Old Testament. Let's look at the first one. It's from Ephesians 2. This is what Paul says about us. And that includes you. We are 
God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that verse is written about you. Now, can I highlight a few words in there when you wonder, am I important? First of all, you were created. First of all, you are God's workmanship. To do good works which God prepared in advance. That's why you were created. Are you important? That would say you are. Ephesians 2.10 says you were designed and created by God because of the things He has for you to do. You should raise it. Wow, that's pretty important. I, I would say the God who made the universe, who uh, took care of all the, the galaxies and everything else, whether it's atomic subparticles, whatever you are most amazed by, that God created you. Because he has work for you to do. Now, hopefully, your first reaction is, um, wow. Uh, So, I want you to put your name in here. My name is, I was designed and created by God because he has plans for me. Things he is counting on me to do. Are you important? I think you are. I think the Bible says you are. Please hear that. Take those notes home. Circle that verse. Now, I'm trying to convince you that that's good news. Wow, I'm important. But if you sit with that for a little bit, you might start to feel like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. God has stuff for me to do? He's got work for me to do? Whoa. Now, Jim up there, yeah, yeah. Carrie, yep, yep. The other ministers, the elders, oh, sure. The Sunday school teachers, yeah, but me? Ooh, It can be a little scary. Well, that's where I want us to go back. You don't need to panic. Because God doesn't expect you to do that on your own. Please hear that. Let's go back to Ephesians. We're God's workmanship. That is the concept of the... uh, I've used this before because I built models as a kid. That is the concept of the model, the box of model parts, and God's putting the parts together. We're not on our own. God is working in our lives. He is at work in you because... He has things He has for you to do. But He created you with that purpose in mind. You were custom designed by God because of what He wants you to do for Him. That's how God made you. That's why God made you. Ephesians says that. That's not just Jim Connor. You were created by God. You are His work project Because he has things for you to do. I like the way one church always said it. God made everybody to be a 10 somewhere. Including you. 
Are you important? You bet you are. God made you to be a 10 somewhere. Now, I said we want to look at two verses. That's what Paul said. Ballpark at 60 A.D., over a thousand years earlier than that, this is what David said. Psalm 139. As David is reflecting on himself and his own life, he's talking to God. And this is what he says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, can we work backwards through that verse for a minute? Notice what David's conclusion is at the end. God, I see everything you've made. And wow, when you do something, you really do something. Whether that's the galaxy or, or, or the human body or our planet and how everything works together. Wow, when you do something, God, it's a home run. And you made me. You made, God made you. And it, you are not just the role of some chromosomes, some DNA dice. David says, and Paul says, God was involved in making you. David says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You are not somebody who exists by chance. Please hear that. The world will not tell you that, but God will. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to park there for just a minute. The fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That always has sounded a little bit, aren't those sort of opposite? So I, I, I did some digging because I had a hunch and it turned out I was right. The fearfully isn't negative. Now, uh, we use the word fearfully, but it was written in Hebrew, not English. And the word that David uses there for the fearfully is just this word of sort of like, wow! Something happens and it, it, it's just so big or it's just so amazing. You're just sort of speechless. Not negative or positive. It's just sort of, Wow! How you made me, God. Wow. That's why David adds the second word. That wow is wonderful. That how God was involved in knitting us together and making us is a wow that's great. One of the more modern ways to translate that is you are awesomely, awesomely made. And that's why they don't put it because that doesn't sound real good. But it's like, awesome, God. Wow, God. And David's talking about as he looks at himself. And what's true of David is true for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So now who are you? If God has made each of us to be who we are, the first thing you need to know is we are unique. You are unique. We are different. By God's design. We're going to look at some other verses in the coming weeks about how God just puts us together in just the way He wants. And that's how He makes us. But we need to stop there for just a second. 
One of the cancers that is eating away at our souls and our culture is comparisons. I'm looking at everybody else. I can't do what they can do. I don't have what they have. I watch them on Facebook and they have a perfect life and I don't. All of that is based on comparisons. I don't make what they make. I didn't get the promotion they made. I can't do what they can do. But wait a minute. You will never be good at being somebody else because you're not made to be them. We're all different. And as long as our lives are based on trying to be somebody else, we will always come off second rate because we're not them. And God is sitting up there saying, I didn't make you to be them. Quit trying to be them because by trying to be them, you're not being you. And I made you to be you. There's nobody else like you. I knit you together in your mother's womb with who you are and what you have and what you can do because I needed you that way. So please don't frustrate me by trying to remake yourself to be your neighbor or your co-worker or that person you admire on TV because you're not them. And I don't want you to be them. I want you to be you. I made you to be you. That is so freeing. If we will really take that in. That is the truth of Scripture. Believe it. Quit the comparison. Quit looking. And ask yourself, okay God, who am I? Who did you make me to be? I want to use an acronym borrowed from another church. The acronym is SHAPE. Because each of us has our own shape. And that's who we are. And my shape is different from your shape. And your shape is different from the person in front of you or beside you or behind you. And I'm just going to go through this real quickly. Just so you see sort of the, the big picture. And the, the S of shape is spiritual gifts. And what we are taught in scripture is that when we become a Christian, the spirit of God comes to live in us. For lots of reasons, but one of those reasons is the Spirit is there to give us abilities either that we didn't have before or to take some of our natural abilities and enhance them, magnify them. So that as we have work to do for God, the Spirit has given us some spiritual gifts, abilities, things we can do at a heightened level so that we can do what God needs us to do. Those are called spiritual gifts. The H is heart. What are you passionate about? What situation do you just, I got to do something about that? Well, what group do you just have an interest in? How's that going? We all have heart, we all have passions. Those things which intrigue us or we are drawn to or we just feel like, i got to do something about that. And you know what? Our hearts are not the same. And a lot of times we fall into the trap of judging people because they don't have my heart. 
I saw a pastor's group years ago in a different city literally split in half because there were about four or five pastors in that group who had a heart for a certain need. And they were passionate about that need in the community. The problem was the other half of those pastors had other hearts. And they were passionate about other needs in the community. And they were just as involved. But that one group judged the others because they didn't have the same heart. Well, God gives us each hearts, passions. And they're not the same by His design. He needs some people passionate over here, but he needs some other people passionate over here. And he needs some people over here passionate. That's your heart. What's your heart? The A is abilities. And these are those things that we are naturally good at. Had we become a Christian or not, received the Holy Spirit or not, we have our abilities. It's our talents, but it's also skills we've worked to develop. Things that we are good at. Our P is our personality. We all have different personalities. That's not a right and wrong. Please hear that. We we all fall into that trap. You know, if you don't have my personality, I well, you know, sorry. But that's wrong. Some of us are introverts, some are extroverts. Some are organized and some are free spirits. Some are focused on people and pleasing people and some are focused on getting goals accomplished. Some of us emotions are just rock solid and some of us our emotions are really swinging. That's who we are. That's our personality. That's our shape. And that is by God's design. Because He has things that He needs for us to do that that personality is needed. And the last E is our experiences. Because that's part of who we are. And the longer we live, the more experiences we have. And the reality is those experiences aren't just history. Those experiences are part of who we are. And God wants to use those, even the bad experiences, the painful experiences. He wants to use those to help us affect others, to help us do the work He has for us to do. And sometimes it is that tragedy, that that terrible thing that happened to us, but it's not wasted by God. God wants to take that terrible experience and use that So you can do work for Him. That's your shape. Who God made you to be. What's your shape? And the next few weeks, I commit to you, we're going to have a class available three or four weeks long to take the time to work through that shape and help us each determine. If we're not sure what is my shape, we're going to work through that. But so if you understand your shape, what do I do with that? If I understand God's design, if I understand, wow, I believe Ephesians 2.10, what's that mean? What is the work I have to do? How do we discover God's plans for our lives? 
Well, one of the obvious beginning points is that design, that shape. Because it's sort of a signpost, okay? And if God's designed you over here and here, He probably doesn't want you to go over there. There are so many things I look at and say, God, thank you, you didn't ask me to do that. I watch other people doing ministry of a certain thing and think, oh gosh, thank you, Father. I would have been a disaster at that. God said, I knew that. That's why I didn't call you over there. I wouldn't have created you to do something that I knew you were going to fail at. I created you to be a 10 over here because that's what I want you to do. So your design is sort of a signpost, go this way. But that's not all we do. Part of it is we pray and we honestly say, God, what what do you want me to do? And we also talk to trusted Christian friends. I feel like God is leading me over here. I feel like maybe that's what he wants me to do. What do they see? Because sometimes, honestly, our friends are more objective about us than we are. And a true friend will say, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Are you sure? I see you over here. And we need to hear that. And welcome that sort of input. And I think part of it is we say, God, where are you at work? How can I join you? I hate to confess this to you, but just a few weeks ago it hit me. I've spent my whole life saying, God, help me as I go up to pray, as I go up to uh, preach. And you know what hit me? That prayer is backwards. And what I need to pray is, God, you are working in the lives of the people in this room already. I want to help you. Show me how I can help you in what you're already trying to do. Find out where God is at work and join Him. All of those are ways that we determine His plan for us. That Ephesians 2.10. But that brings us back to blessed. And why all of this is in this sermon series on blessed. Because what I've just said is you are blessed. Every one of us is blessed. We were uniquely created by God with abilities and skills to do things He has for us to do. We are blessed. We're not just the role of some DNA. We are custom made by God. But you see, God blessed you to bless others. We looked at that last week. We're not just blessed to take in God's gifts and blessings and keep them for ourselves so I can be successful or make a lot of money or be famous. God said, that's not why I gave you all that. He says, I created you to be used because I want to use you to bless others. Your personality, your abilities, your passions, your experiences... I have custom made, I've got things for you to do. You are important. In God's eyes, you are very important. It doesn't matter what others think. Don't compare yourself. You're not them. You're you. And God has things for you to do. Things here in this church ministries, getting involved in something. 
helping with the youth or the children or coming Friday night to do child care or going on a mission trip or painting a room. There's things God has for you to do, but they're not just here. They're out there too. As you go to work, as you live in your home, as you go to your school, God has things He wants to do through you, and that's why He put you there. And we're going to talk about more, more about that in the coming weeks. But you may not be there by accident. You may be there because God says, I needed you with who you are in that situation right now. Open your eyes. Let me use you. Let me show you the work I have for you to do. That's why I blessed you. So that you can bless others. I said there were two scriptures, but there's three. And I, used, I added this one actually after I'd printed the sermon notes. It's on the screen. A book later, but this is what Paul writes. For it is God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill His good purpose. Isn't that an awesome promise? God is working in you to help you fulfill His purposes. You are blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you cared enough about us to make us each individually unique because you have plans for us. You need our help. Father, we are so important, not in some prideful kind of way, but what an honor that you need our help. And we don't need to be somebody else. We just need to be ourselves. Help us see that. Help us trust your design and quit trying to remake ourselves into somebody else. Father, help us look for your design so we can work on being who you want us to be. Father, I know there are some people who probably entered this room feeling like they were a one or a two. And I pray your word, your spirit, can help them believe these scriptures that they really are true. Help them understand how important they are to you. Speak into every one of our hearts. Help us look for the work you have for us to do. And willingly, even nervously, stand up and volunteer for you to do what you want us to do. In your son's name, amen.